Hello, welcome back to FTA Tax Breaks, a podcast by the Federation of Tax Administrators, where each episode we convene experts from the private sector, academia, the public sector, to talk about topics and their relevance to tax administration. So each each time we get our experts together, they share their insights and their expertise with us, and hopefully uh, you, our listeners, learn a little bit some, a little bit about uh, the topic we're discussing and how it might apply both in government and maybe maybe back home or wherever you wherever you work. I'm Ryan Minnick, FTA's Chief Operating Officer, and this week I'm joined by two pretty awesome guests, uh, two people who I've gotten to know pretty well the last couple of years. Uh, Director Rob Woods, the Director of the Arizona Department of Revenue. Uh, if, I, if I call him Commissioner during the episode, it's because of FTA. Anybody who runs an agency to us is a Commissioner, uh, regardless of what their state uses. So Director Woods and Commissioner Bob Grenis, who runs the Indiana Department of Revenue. Welcome, gentlemen. So glad to, so glad to have you. Thanks, Ryan. Glad to be here. here. Well, I want to start, not everybody knows your agencies and your roles and your backgrounds, so I thought we'd take a couple minutes to get to know both of you. So, Bob, why don't you start us off? Could you share a little bit about how you got to the Department of Revenue, uh, what your what your day looks like as a, as a commissioner of a, or an award-winning department? Well, uh, like most things in life, we end up where we are because of amazing things that happen in our history. Um, I never worked in state government in my life, never thought I would, not because I didn't want to or was against it. I just never thought of it as a possibility. Sure. Um, I'll go back real quickly. I have actually an IT background, started in uh, computer science, and then had the blessing to be able to move over to financial services operations and run um, large, complex, high volume, high complexity, high variability financial services companies, which I'll, we'll get to it because that sounds exactly like a department of revenue. Um, and then uh, after a, a long stint in working in the private sector and having the opportunity to do some really wonderful work with great people, um, I happened to know somebody in the new administration, which is now seven years ago, and was invited to uh, be part of the Department of Revenue as we started on a transformation. Um, so I, uh, I took that opportunity originally as the chief operating officer um, as we started our modernization and transformation project. And then three years into that, I was uh, I was asked to stay as commissioner, and I can't believe it. Rob and I were just talking about this. We're coming up on seven years. Wow, that's fantastic! It's uh, feels like time time has flown. And I've been with FTA eight years, so I remember your first FTA meetings, and, and uh, have appreciated all of your knowledge and insights over the years. Rob, same question. Uh, can you tell us how you got into government and ended up uh, leading the Department of Revenue in Arizona. So a little bit like Bob, I, I came from a private sector, and I'm. I'm not entirely sure how I got here other than, you know, good luck. Uh, I was actually with J.P. Morgan Chase uh, in the financial services industry for about eight years. I, I never thought that I would enter public service, but three governors ago, an opportunity arose. A lot of states at the time were going down a continuous uh, improvement path. And at J.P. Morgan, we certainly had done quite a lot of that. When, when I learned that, I said, I would really like to in that effort. Um, and I, I got linked up with some folks in the Brewer administration in Arizona State Government at the time. And after that conversation, they said, do you want a job? I, didn't, I, didn't realize, I did not realize there was a job. Um, but I spent eight years building a continuous improvement effort around the state of Arizona. That's sort of my always my core passion. But after eight years of that, I was ready for a new challenge myself. And, and much like Bob, I was offered an opportunity to be the chief operating officer for Arizona Department of Revenue, and, and I took it. 
um, really came to love this team. And about a year after that, I was asked to be the director. Um, like Bob, I, I we keep saying yes, um, and and it's incredibly rewarding. Uh, the past four years at EOR have just flown. That's amazing, and. You know, uh, like both of you, I've shared this on previous episodes. My background was private sector. I started in IT consulting, spent some time in the advertising industry, which gave me a rather unique uh, combination of skills. And so my first role at FTA was explaining emerging technologies to to you all and your colleagues, directors of the organizations. And over the years, uh, I've, I've taken on different roles. But what I find interesting, what resonates with me about both of your backgrounds is this notion of, you know, it sounds like we all came from places where we liked efficiency, optimization, things running smoothly, and then had the opportunity to work with the public sector and thought, yeah, that sounds interesting. And I, I remember after my first couple months working with the, uh, the public sector with all the states, uh, somebody said, hey, what, what would keep you in this job for a long time? I said, well, I like, I like solving problems. I like, you know, I like the more complicated and the more like messy and the more you need to chew on them, the better. And they said, oh, you're, you're never leaving government. You're gonna have fun always, because there's always some process that needs to be re-engineered. There's always some change on the horizon that needs to be responded to. And it certainly, um, certainly has been the case. Now, we're here today to talk about award-winning workplaces. And you both have something uh, else in common, besides your, your joint backgrounds in the private sector, which is that both of your agencies have received recognition as a top place to work, not just in government in your states, but a top place to work in your state's full stop. And you both, uh, Arizona and Indiana, both have large Fortune 500 corporations that are headquartered in your states. So to be held in, in regard with those organizations is something I think perhaps surprising to people who don't, don't know the culture that exists within government. So, you know, my first kind of question that I'll throw to you, Rob, first, and then ask Bob for your thoughts is, how did you envision this? Did you did you set out to build a best workplace, or did you set out to do something else? And this is just a happy side effect of that. Uh, what, how'd your journey start on this road? Yeah, Ryan, that's that's a great question. I would say it's a happy side effect. We what what I think, and, and I know this because I've talked to Bob. I've said, Bob, teach me what you know. Um, but what what I know he and I have in common is that we believe that for the leader of any organization, culture has to be intentional. And so whether or not it's an award-winning culture, I think both of us wanted to create an intentional culture in each of our organizations. Um, what, what does it mean to be a great place to work? Uh, you come to work every day. It's not just clocking in and clocking out. Your ideas are value, and, and there's this sense of I can be the whole person that I am here, and I can give everything, and, and along the way I can grow. You know, in our view, leaders are coaches, and team members are problem solvers. And in that that backbone for us really creates a culture of engagement and involvement beyond just getting work done. Um, people feel like they're winning. I really believe people at the Arizona Department of Revenue feel like they're winning every day, even though the work is not easy. Um, but somewhere along the way, there were these engagement scores that were coming out from our central department of administration, and we were doing well. And my, my communications director, who's actually listening right now, said, wouldn't it be great if we applied for one of these awards? And in fact, I'm going to give a nod to my friend sitting next to me here. Um, I had heard that the state of Indiana had won one of these awards. That, being an inherently competitive person, I said, I'm going to try to do that too. Um, did, 
expect to win. But we knew we knew that the effort would pay off in something, learning something. Um, we applied, and we ended up winning the first time we applied out of the gate. Uh, to say we were ecstatic would be would be an understatement. But it was really we knew we, we believed we had something special going on. But there's something incredible about that external validation that hey, we're not just good for government. We're we're just a good place to work. Period. Um, and it's been it's been an incredible point of pride for I think the entire agency. Well, that's an impressive result. And I know you know Bob, you've got you're a repeat winning organization. So I think it's impressive. You know, coming out of the gate to get in the first time. You know, I'll hear your journey, but then you know, how do you keep it going? That's a really good question. Um, building a healthy, highly engaged organization is really hard. Um, and sustaining it's harder. So that's what your question was, and maybe we can get back to that. Um, but I'm going to echo Rob's comment. Um, so we, we didn't set out to win any awards. Um, we set out to build an organization that was high energy, positive, optimistic, continually improving, delivering great service, and where individuals, they not only love to work there, but they truly believe they matter. They were growing personally and professionally. They enjoyed the environment and working with their colleagues, um, that uh, uh, it was some place that they were proud to be part of. Um, the, the awards are wonderful and they are great shots of serotonin and dopamine, right? When we get some affirmation of the amazing work that our teams do, that's a wonderful thing. And we wear it with pride. You see it on all, you know, we have uh, lots of logo things and we have signs everywhere. And we are very proud of that, but it really is a downstream benefit of all the work that our teams do. Um, when we first started this, so we were on, a, on the verge of trying to transform the entire Department of Revenue. Uh, we were getting ready for a major technology project, but we had to get the organization ready because the technology is just one piece. And if the organization is not ready for that type of organizational change, as we all know, tech, big technology projects can fail. They can also crumble organizations. Um, and they're generally over budget and, and over schedule. Um, but, so we said, let's go develop a, a plan to get the organization ready. Um, and uh, there was no better place than to ask our team members what it was like to work here. Um, so in 2017, we heard about the uh, Intergage Top Workplace Program that they run nationally. Um, and we said, we're going, to, we're going to actually join that and we're going to uh, do the survey and we're going to take the data and we're going to apply for it. And I'm going to be honest with you, people laughed at us. Um, they said, well, government entities don't do that. Um, and you will never achieve that level of recognition. And we said, that's not, we're not looking to achieve the, the level of recognition, but we truly need feedback from our team sure. to get better. Um, when you survey your team and ask them the questions that you do in, a, in an engagement survey, you are really asking them, what does it feel like to work in your organization? And there's strategic questions, right? They're scientifically developed. By the way, there's not very many of them. You don't need, in fact, Gallup says you need 12 questions to assess your, your uh, the employee experience and employee engagement. Um, but anyway, so you, uh, but you ask them to get the feedback and you say, thank you. You provide the feedback back to them of what they've told you, and then you get to work on making the organization better. So we did that in 2017. How did that go in 2017? So it was 
incredibly educational. We learned a tremendous amount. We did not achieve the uh, recognition of being a top workplace. Um, in the top workplace program, and I'm sure the Arizona program is similar, the data is collected, analyzed, and then benchmarked against other organizations in whoever the group is. Sure. Um, for the Indiana Award, it's benchmarked against Indiana companies, and then Intergage also does a national award, a USA award, um, and they benchmark them against uh, companies across the country. Um, and we received lots of good information, but we did not achieve the top workplace level. Um, and we said, that's great, but we've learned a lot and we celebrated some things that were working well and then we went to work on key areas um, and we invited everybody into the process and we did amazing improvement in 2018. We did the survey again in 2018 and we received our first recognition in 2019 um, and we have done it every year since and every year we have, we have seen improvement, but we also have continued to give wonderful feedback about how to make the organization better. Uh, and we have everybody's part of it. We have 700 team members in 13 locations at the Department of Revenue in Indiana. Um, and every single one of them are part of the process. Um, and um, it has, it's, it's been very rewarding. It has been affirming to the work that we do. And as you mentioned, we have received five years in a row the Indiana Top Workplace uh, Recognition. And we've received three years in a row the, uh, the USA Level Award. So eight awards in six years. Um, and we just completed our uh, survey for this year and we're currently analyzing all the data and we will input that data into the 2024 awards as well. But we don't do it for awards. Arizona does not do this for awards. We do it because that input from our team is gold. It is, it is telling us what we're doing well. It's telling us what they need to continue on their professional development journey. It's also telling us things that we can do to make them better in their jobs that ultimately produce better results for the organization. Well, that's a really good point that you make. And I actually, this is hopefully educational to other government agencies listening to this, that participating in these programs gives you some helpful data that you can use, whether you win or you don't win. It's almost immaterial to your point because it gives you something actionable if you commit to taking action. And so, I guess my you know, my question for you, Rob, so with the same process, gathered data, you won your first award. We'll let Bob tell us how he keeps it going, but what's your plan now? Are you all, are you working on your next round of, of surveying? Are you, uh, was there any, any particular action you were taking to try to kind of continue to move that, that uh, move that program forward and, and continue to deliver that workplace experience? Absolutely. So we have, we've won the past two years. So we're, we're lucky to say that, that we've been able to sustain it for two years. So I will absolutely echo what Bob just said. In our case, the organization that administers this for Arizona, uh, the best company is AZ Process. The quality of the data we get is fantastic. Now it's got a few more questions than what, what Bob mentioned. Um, I want to say that there may be 50 or 60 questions, but despite that, we have, we, we're an organization of about 600 FTE plus or minus, and the overwhelming number of folks who take this, take the survey, you, you have to have at least 50% or so that take it. There's, there's a, you can't just have 30 people take this survey and, and get a result. So there's a, there's a huge number of people who take it. So the data we get back is sliced and diced by division, by, by generation, 
um, it, it gives us robust feedback, not only on the things that are going well, but also it really tells us areas that we still need to work on. Your question was, what do we do with that? So I'm gonna guess just like my friends in the state of Indiana, we have a very intentional strategic planning process every year. We take a look how things went last year, what are the new inputs to the process? And, and this feedback is a huge part of it. Developing our folks is a huge focus of our strategic plan. So career pathing, as a result of this feedback, career pathing is a huge thing that we're working on right now. Um, there, I will tell you that there are two main themes that come out of the survey for us, and these are probably not unique to us. One is that government doesn't pay enough. And second, that we need more people to keep up with the work. Uh, that, I think, is a universal theme for folks in government. But isn't it interesting that despite those two things, we're still considered the best place to work? Um, we use that feedback to prioritize how we can develop our people, where we can invest our limited resources. Um, but the feedback is, is incredible. And, it, and even if we didn't win, we would continue to do this survey every year because the data we get back is so good. I wanna, if I can jump in here. So you mentioned government entities versus uh, private companies. And, um, we can never forget that I don't care what organization we're talking about. It's people. Organizations aren't things. Absolutely. And too often people think organizations are things. And I don't care if it's the Arizona Department of Revenue or FTA or Starbucks or Google or your local donut shop. No matter what products they have, what services, what marketing, what technology, what whatever the, the greatest strategy in the world, it all comes down to the magic that's being made by the individuals that are doing that work. And what was so interesting when I had a, the, the blessing to be able to join uh, the Department of Revenue and Team Indiana is so many people thought the Department of Revenue was a thing um, and that the people also kind of felt a little bit uncomfortable being part of the Department of Revenue because the negative connotation around working in government or in the Department of Revenue was something that they carried. And we completely changed that narrative and started looking at our organization like it is a wonderful collection of Hoosiers for us. Are you Arizonians? What, what are you guys called? There they are. Well, it depends where folks went to school. Okay. Uh, um, Sun Devils. So we're Hoosiers. So a wonderful collection of Hoosiers uh, that are pouring themselves into doing the amazing work to serve the Hoosiers that count on us. And every single one of them are bringing this diverse set of knowledge and skills and experience and passions and unique personalities. And they want to be great. They want to do great work. And our job is to build an environment that allows them to do that and to help them, support them. Um, and that is what an engaged organization, a, a healthy organization is uh, looks like. Um, and asking your team members, what do they need? How are we doing in leadership, in training, in tools, in technology? What are the barriers? Um, that, I mean, that, that information is priceless. And I'll just speak for ours. Um, the survey is voluntary. It is anonymous or confidential. Uh, we do not know anybody that takes the survey. Um, our, the survey company that does it independently, the analytics company, they obviously have the email addresses to do this links, but we don't know that. So it's, a, it's voluntary, it's confidential. 
we get all of the data um, and we break it down by division, by department, by unit, by supervisor, there has to be a large enough group of responders to, to retain anonymity. Um, and um, uh, a top workplaces, we have, I think the, our program has to have at least 55% to participate. Um, and top workplaces generally are in the 60, low 60s. Um, we are between 78 and 82% voluntary uh, participation every oh, wow. year. And it is so wonderful that our team members care enough to give us feedback on things that we're doing well and ways that we can get better. And that is where the gold is, is how we can get better. Well, and you make such a really good point about organizations being people. And you know, anytime, anytime the organization isn't the people who are part of the organization, it almost gets kind of blamed or gets distanced. The coworker that nobody likes, you know, we work for the Department of Revenue. I don't want to be, I don't want to be associated with that. I, I, I don't, I just work there. You have a really great campaign that you all um, did. I, I'm sure at some point along this journey you started it, but you know I see it everywhere. This we are DOR, and you have you know community service days, and you have ways that you engage internally. You know, it was that part of the reason why you came out with that we are DOR campaign was to build that link between the organization and the people. I think it was part of our changing the narrative, and we wanted people to feel proud to be part of the Department of Revenue, um, and uh, yeah, we so we. We do a lot of things internally to make the environment high energy and positive and fun. You know, we, we have core values and our first core value is fun, um, which always surprises people. Um, and we said, um, you know, we live that every day and we live that core value. Um, I mean, we just really want, we truly believe that optimism and positivity are superpowers. And if you can build high energy, positivity, fun, enjoyment into any workplace, including the incredibly complex work we do at revenue agencies. And there's just a level of joy and laughter and fun while we're doing incredibly important, impactful, complex work. Yep. Uh, really special things happen. Um, I mean, if you, if, I mean, we're all employees. If we are, if, if we feel like we're valued, if we feel like our supervisor truly has our best interest in if we feel like we have the tools that we need to do a good job, if we enjoy our colleagues, if we feel trusted and respected, we're bringing our best self, self to work every day. And that's what organizational leaders that truly care about great results that are created by amazing people, that's why we do this hard work to build healthy organizations. I think it's very well said um, looking at ingredients as opposed to the outcome. The outcome follows the ingredients that you put in and what you just kind of laid out. I always I always appreciate our conversations when we talk about you know, optimism being a superpower and positivity being a superpower and fun being you know, kind of the, the, the best tip of the pyramid that you can have in a new workplace, especially a highly complex technical workplace. And I guess that's kind of leads to my next question for you, Rob, which is, you know, you come out of JPMC where, you know, efficiency and optimization and cultural change, you know, what was, what was that like coming into government, bringing that toolkit with you? Because it had to, what an impressive and incredible toolkit to, to bring in, you know, how did you begin to kind of assess and apply that? So first and foremost, I think any organization, any industry that adopt an intentional culture, there may be some nuances that, that really need to be adopted to fit a given circumstance. But I think if you put Bob or I at the head of any organization, 
80% of what we've learned would probably be repeated into it would still become its own its own living culture but an intentional culture that develops people have, wants them to come to work and feel valued those things are not optional for us the key recipe for success and, and this for, from my perspective I've been a consultant for my career that advises leaders and now now I have the good fortune to be the head of an organization itself. There is no replacement for the person sitting in, in my chair modeling the way. No matter what I say, people will always see what I do. And that, so, so I would say it starts with me. If, if I value it, I have to do these things myself. And so when we set about, and I wouldn't say we transformed our organization, the, the Arizona DOR was doing a lot of these things when I already got there. I, I'd like to believe that, that what I helped to do was make them even more fundamental and even more part of the, the DNA. My, my greatest hope is that if I were no longer in this organization, some of the things that we've done that have contributed to our culture would not go away, that it's not dependent on me. So when we went about transforming our culture to make it what it is right now, we didn't really go beyond our core executive leadership team. We said, okay, we're doing all these things around campus improvement, things improvement and culture, but as leaders, we have to earn the right to ask these things of the folks that report to us. So as an ELT, we're gonna do them first. We're gonna learn them so that we can teach them. Because as leaders, if, if we not only don't do them, but we can't teach them, how could it possibly be sustainable by any, anywhere else in the organization? So you think about this cascading effect. Now we're an organization of about 600 folks. If, if we were larger, like 10,000, 11,000, which some government agencies are, it would be a little more complex, but 600, ironically, a very manageable size to do this fairly quickly. Um, and, and in everything that we've done with our intentional culture, that's been, I would say, our deployment methodologies that Leaders model the way, leaders teach, and through that methodology, it's going to stick. Well, and I, I just, you know, to put a verbal underline to something you said that jumped out at me is leaders earn the right to ask what they need of those who, who they lead. And what a great point. And, you know, of course, you've laid out a kind of a technical approach to, to do that and recipe for it. But that, I think, is kind of innate in, in good leader, good leader yeah. organizations, and certainly both of you winning organizations have experienced that you know Bob what about the person on you know, two floors down at the end of the hall in a cubicle who's like this is all a bunch of hooey I just want to do my work enter enter stuff into my spreadsheet and go home how do you bring those folks along this journey or how did you tackle folks that you encountered that had that kind of resistance so you've heard me say this before but it's always better to inspire than require um, you, every organization has a culture, whether it's intentional or not. Uh, every organization has a feel. And if a team is living the core values of the organization and they're highly engaged and they're collaborative and supportive and they're uh, doing continuous improvement activities and there is one individual who does not fit into that, that individual ultimately will be inspired to be part of that, or they may determine that it might be another place might be better for them, and and that that could be the best outcome for them. 
Um, but we have found, and by the way, we've had, we have some of those, we've had some. Um, um, one of my uh, influencers, uh, somebody I follow, uh, been following for decades now, Patrick Lencioni, one of the things that he teaches is the, the idea of the law of thirds, that whenever you make any kind of major change, there's usually a group of folks that are all in and want to support you and ready to go. There's a group that are maybe on the fence trying to wait and see how it's going to go. And then you may have some folks that are detractors. And he says leadership tends to always want to go to that third group and try to convince them to go on the journey with them. And he advises us not to do that. Listen to them. Learn from them. But spend all your time on the other two groups because as you develop successes, the folks in the middle will really jump on board and start driving change. And the folks that maybe were uh, not fully on board will either come aboard or they will determine that it's time for them to maybe move on. But I want to, I think I want to go back to every organization, no matter what they do, are producing results. Those results can be measured in many different ways. Most organizations are doing some kind of process measurements, the product or service they're delivering. Sure. It could be it could be the number of widgets they sell, the quality of them. Um, it could be their profit, their loss. There could be a lot of different measurements, and most organizations are measuring those. Good companies are also measuring customer, the voice of the customer in Six Sigma lingo. Uh, they're f- figuring out what the customer thinks about the services or products they provide. It could be market share. It could be repeat sales. Uh, it could be referrals. But it also could be actual feedback from the customer. Only great companies are also measuring the voice of the employee. They are asking the employee what it feels like to work there and using that to make the organization better. So all, everybody's producing something. You're measuring those things. And that the measurements are informing you about how your organization is doing producing those results, right? You think about what produces those results. It's the tapestry of the complex operations that we run. People process technology decisions, marketing, sales, product, location, everything. Thousands of things that come together that produce those results. If you, everybody wants your results to be good and getting better. And if you don't like your results, you'll be looking back into the things that are producing those results. The most important thing producing the results is your culture, is your people. It's how you, it's your mindset, your attitude, your behavior, how you treat each other, how you train, how you onboard, how you develop, how you hire, how you hold people accountable communicate. The culture is driving those results. And as Rob pointed out, the culture is made up of everybody in the organization. Everybody impacts the culture. But it starts with the leadership team. And it doesn't have just to be just the big L's. It all of the individuals who are playing an influential role in the leadership of the organization, they're setting the standard. It's their mindset. It's their beliefs that ultimately then manifest into actions and behaviors that everybody's watching, everybody's modeling, which ultimately drives the organization's performance and its results. And healthy organizations 
this is, I think this is the most powerful thing. This is why I do this. Healthy organizations produce great results. They also produce great people. If people love their jobs and they feel valued and they're part of something special and they're growing personally and professionally and they're having fun, they're better people. They're better spouses and parents and neighbors and siblings and children. Their lives are improved. And I think the part that's the most concerning Unhealthy organizations are doing the exact opposite to people. If an individual is miserable in their job, if they are just going through the motions and they are not getting recognized for their tremendous contributions, if they are not part of a team that is working together to produce good things, they'll do good work. They, they're they not... They're not the type of person that they want to be. And I always tell folks, I said, if you've had a great day, when you're driving home, you're listening to music, somebody turns on their turn signal, you invite them into traffic, you go home, you say hello to your neighbor, and you, you, you're, you enjoy your children or your spouse or your neighbor, whatever you do. If you had a really crappy day, that's a totally different experience. Well. We look, so this is really resonating for me in particular. We, this year, FTA, we've, we've gone through a lot of organizational transformation over the last eight years since I joined the organization. We, we've always been this core organization that serves state tax revenue agents. We've been around since 1934. Uh, we're quite good at what we do. And over the last you know, pandemic and the post-pandemic, we have intentionally shifted the organization to continue to do what we're really good at, delivering really great content your exceptional teams, but we've also been adding, you know, the lessons we've observed and learned from your organizations. Our leader who's been with us for two years used to run the Maryland uh, Department of Revenue, Maryland Comptroller's uh, Revenue Division, brought in this link, this knowledge of link between the tangible and the intangible, and this notion of positivity and kindness being a virtuous cycle that has a tangible and measurable result. And something that just popped up into, into my reading rotation a couple weeks ago, there is a term for this, and it never occurred to me. I had to think back to all my you know, business school finance classes. There's a term for this called goodwill. In a financial transaction, goodwill is the definition for the amount of money between what a company's worth and what it sells for. Goodwill is the representation of that immeasurable thing that is the sum of the culture, the perception, the brand recognition. And so we believe, and we actually this, the time of us talking a few weeks back uh, launched a national kindness campaign for tax administration. We think tax administrators are the kindest people on the planet, even if not everybody else has that perception. And one of the reasons why we chose kindness, not only is that part of our culture at FTA, but it's something that, that translates into, we hope, all of your organizations. Because when someone takes a moment to be kind to a colleague, to express kindness to a friend, a neighbor, a community member, exactly what you described. It's a virtuous cycle. Everybody feels better. There is no one on this planet that doesn't feel good after being kind to someone. If you do, contact your doctor. I'm not sure what's what's going on here. It's a release of serotonin. It's a release of oxytocin. It creates that virtuous impact. And as a data person, 
I have become a huge fan and cheerleader for all of these initiatives as I've encountered them, seen the results of the organizations, seen the, the data that comes out of our metrics when we engage with your teams. It is a measurable thing, and for far too long, it was looked as something looked at, looked at as something that couldn't be measured and therefore wasn't important. And so, finding and implementing those measurements, investing in that measurement, I know today could not be a more uh, more honorable endeavor. And I, but like you, Bob, I'm a huge fan of, of the the process and the data that you get and how it goes. I could not, you know, more sense your excitement a few moments ago. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But and you know, this stuff this stuff is not complex. This is not rocket science. And you can find it anywhere. I mean, everything's free now, right? I mean, there are so many TED Talks um, and podcasts and YouTube videos. Um, you can you know, follow Patrick Lencioni and John Gordon and Simon Sinek and John Maxwell. Uh, I mean, these concepts, um, I mean, they are, they are life-changing. They are very simple. It's very hard to implement them and do it consistently and stay with it. It, it is actually, so Bob and I have had some, some offline conversations and I actually approached Bob and said, you guys are always a top organization. What are you doing all the time? And, and I don't want to embarrass you, but you shared something with me that I thought was outstanding and we might use different terminology for this, but we're, we're also adopting something similar. As a leader, so in our in our vernacular, we would call it leader standard work. And as a leader, it, particularly as, as directors, but any level of leader, there's this there's this whirlwind that surrounds you all the time, and it's 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 all the fires that pop up. We're, we're trying to we're trying to get the work out every day. There's there's more work than people is what it seems half the time. But in and amongst all that, how do we make time for the for the calm, important but not urgent? discussions that show people you care about them that develop them right but that's that's the toughest thing sometimes is protecting that time and so the way i look at and i know the way bob looks at it is what are the things i need to do on a daily basis a weekly basis a monthly basis a quarterly basis an annual basis and it, it, it's a checklist mentality and it, it's almost a scorecard to yourself it says, here are the things as a leader that I know I have to do to make the impact in the organization that I want to have on the culture. And, and I don't know if, if all directors share this mindset. I think the only lasting thing that I will do for this organization, the only thing is the culture. There are plenty of tax experts and department revenue. I don't need to be that for the organization. Um, it, it's, not, it's not the technical prowess. It, it is the culture that that is the that is the only thing that I that I hope you remember for in this position. Well, and I, I can tell you both. This is I hope some folks are listening to this at their desks with a notepad. This has been far richer of a discussion than I could ever hope for. I, mean, I know knew we were going to cover a lot of ground, and I think there's still a lot of ground yet to cover in this space. You know, we've we're, we've been chatting for quite some time now. I think people are kind of starting to pull into the, the garage at work if you're listening to this on the road. So I'll ask my last question to both of you, which is what comes next? So what's what whether it be for continuing to have a great workplace, which we kind of covered already, how are you taking that capital, that positive result? How are you utilizing it to move your agency and your look forward? So I'll start with you, Rob, finish up with Bob. Sure. 
So at the Arizona Department of Revenue, we have a distinctly lean management focus. Um, so, so for us, we have around 600 FTE. I really want to be able to look across the organization and say, I've got 600 problem solvers. I've got 600 people that aren't afraid to raise their hand and say, this is a problem. I want to be a part of making it better. That sounds really easy. There are very few organizations that can do that. I wouldn't say that we're even fully there yet. Um, I have no idea how long it takes an organization to get there. It's it's aspirational, but for all the things we've talked about, it, it's I, I do believe that where we've come as an organization is that our leadership team is aligned, and every day, every day we look back last year and think we didn't know what we were doing. It, it, it's you know. And, and Bob might, might feel the same way. We don't look at ourselves and say, wow, we are really good. We are keenly aware of all the problems we have, but every year we're gonna chip away at that. But it, it's just funny how you look back and you realize it, it, it's just a process. It, it's, it's not about the things we're doing at any one time. It's the mindset of where we find ourselves. I, I've got a member of my team who calls it our thinking way. If we apply that thinking way, every year we are going to get better. Um, and so I, I really, you know, I've, I've got to say that I had to contemplate some really hard things over the past year because there was a governor change. And we went from a Republican administration to a Democratic administration. I am honored that I was asked to stay. The, the thing that I think bothered me the most about the reality that at some point I, I, I won't, we, we have a limited shelf life as directors. That's just the reality, fair to say. But I think the thing that bothered me the most was that there's still just so much work to be done. And, and as a leader, I just care about these people. Um, we're, we're supporting them as they go through college, right? We're, we're providing them financial assistance and just seeing how much they're growing and that they, they, want me to be in the position I'm in and we're, we're a team, um, it, it's really, it's hard to not, it, it's hard to not want to be on this bus with them. Wait a minute, we have a shelf life? That's news to me. Um, and we got to tell the Ted Lasso story. So, so. I'm a huge Ted Lasso fan, by the way. So, so, watched it, please so watch it. I, I can't let this podcast go. So, so. One of the first times I talked to Bob, um, I said, you know, sometimes I feel like I'm the Ted Lasso of revenue. I don't have a deep tax background. And come to find out, he doesn't either. And yet, here we are running these tax organizations and we're beyond blessed that they have award-winning cultures. I just, I, I love... I love the kindred spirit that I find in this gentleman sitting next to me. Yeah, I think that's fantastic. The, the Ted Lasso example I, resonates a little too well. By the way, Apple, if you're listening and want to sponsor our podcast, <laughs> we are talking about Ted Lasso. This is unpaid promotion. All three of yeah. us are fans of the show. But it turns out that that, that is both of our favorite show. That was yes. one of the first things we found out about each other. And we both kind of feel that way sometimes in our job. Yeah, I mean, the first episode of Ted Lasso was watching him change the culture of uh, Richmond. But anyway, so watch it. I don't want to spoil it. It's a wonderful show and uh, three seasons. But um, So for this to last when we are doing something else, it has to be built into the DNA of the organization. But I think more importantly, it has to be in the hearts of the people 
that will be doing this work long after we're gone. And that's what we are focusing on. So we are providing training, mentoring, coaching, development with leaders throughout the entire organization on all of these leadership practices, principles, and beliefs. Um, Servant leadership is at the very foundation of what we teach. And the way the practices and the way that we lead our organization is something we want people to learn. So we developed a leadership program. We call it Leadership Enrichment at Door, L-E at Door. Um, And we invite anybody, anybody in the organization to join that program. And they are introduced to training, to content, to a magazine. We share podcasts and TED Talks and and, uh, articles. Um, We have a Teams chat that we're always, uh, I write a, I write a leadership message on the whiteboard in the leadership hallway every day. I snap a picture of it and post it on the leadership chat. Um, we are investing heavily in leaders all across the organization so that they will continue to carry this message and build, nurture an organization that will be healthy forever, whether that, that they're at the Department of Revenue or wherever ever they go. and. That is something of a legacy that our leadership team is so proud of. And I'm confident that it's in the DNA and that we have individuals who will never go back to a different type of leadership. And if they ever find themselves in an organization that's not healthy, um, they'll they'll go find one that is. I agree with that as well. I am confident that both of you have made a profound impact on your organizations. After our discussion today, I, I am further uh, further impressed that just you know the press release and the headline that you get you know repeat award winners great workplaces but what you shared today was really how do you how do you begin to create that and it's something incredibly special and I, I know our listeners are going to appreciate hearing the story and I'm not going to be surprised if uh, your teams get reached out to to find out how they can replicate this success and you know just want to take the time to thank both of you for taking a few moments out of your busy schedules uh, to sit down with me and talk about this topic and can't wait to have you all back when you, know, you have a few more awards under your belts and hear even more about what you've learned. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Thanks. Thanks.